When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, folks, welcome, welcome, welcome back to the culture here on the Black Star Network. Thank you so much for tuning in this afternoon, folks. uh, Let's go to our next conversation. We wanted to talk about a host of things as we're still seeing a lot of things, a lot of issues around race in this country that have affected us. One of the big stories, of course, is the black volleyball player that experienced racism at BYU. As you know, Brother Roland has been talking about this extensively, but we want to continue the conversation. We're going to be checking in with my big brother, Dr. Omakongo Dibenga, to give us his take on that. Also, let's talk a little bit about what's going on with the president and his response to MAGA and what he warns for the Republican Party. And then, Doc, I know you got a book coming out talking about lies about black people, brother. My big brother here is back with us once again, Dr. Omakongo. Thank you so much, dear brother, for your time this afternoon. How you feeling? Oh, I'm great, man. I'm I'm on campus today. Just started teaching this week, uh, first semester, or back at American University. So I'm in my office today and the students are great and I'm talking to you, so everything is good. <laughs> I hear that. Well, I'm in my office right now, Doc. I had to oh, get I'm some jealous. fresh airs. you feel me? I'm jealous, oh man, <laughs> it's nice. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. All right, so let's first talk about this situation we saw with this, uh, with this volleyball player um, because our sister has been going through it uh, bringing it up and it kind of opened up Pandora's box at BYU about this whole race issue. Yep. What, 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 what can be said? I know, like I said, Brother Roland's been talking extensively about this. You know, as we look at this situation of this young black woman being called the N-word, being disrespected, and then hearing other stories from other players saying that they experienced mm-hmm. the same thing, right? What, which, what does that say to us from uh, about black college students, black athletes on white campuses. What, what do we make of this, Doc? Well, first of all, when you think about Rachel and uh, Rachel Richardson and, and what happened to her, it, it was tragic. When we spoke with her father on Monday evening on the Monday night panel of Roland Martin, where you can always catch a brother, I'm just saying. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Go ahead, plug it, bro. Plug it. We all oh, went no family. Doubt. Myself, Dr. Julian Malvo, Monday night panel. Uh, you know, right. we get it. We get it in, man. Uh, Representative Renita Shannon, it's an incredible night. But, you know, her father said that, you know, he was actually watching the game when all of this was happening, and he couldn't see any of that going on. He just saw his daughter out there with all of her poise and all of her grace getting out there and completely crushing into what she was doing. And he applauded her for that, and we applaud her for that. What Black students need to realize you know, a few weeks ago, we lost the great athlete and activist and human being, Bill Russell. And people need to realize that this is not the 50s and it is not the 60s. You know, back then, there are things that many uh, Black players had to endure in the work that they did. And they, and they fought it 
with their own version of activism. Some still got on the court and played. We understand that. But nowadays, Black students need to understand that this whole country has your back. So first of all, let's just be clear. BYU failed those students on every level in every way, shape, or form. Right. Having said that, I also feel like the Duke students let Rachel down as well as the other players because they should have been the one followed by the head lead, led by the Duke coach who should have said, we're not going to stay in this game. We're not going to play here. We are going to take a stand against ignorance and racism and intolerance, and we are going to walk off this court if something doesn't happen. Because one of the other things that Rachel told her dad and he told us was that that one person who got banned was not the only one. So the fact of the matter is you had multiple people in that audience. You had parents who were there who heard this go on. You had other staff who were there who was going, heard this going on. And from what I recall, they only brought in that security guard after someone told Rachel to watch her back. And so as black students, we need to understand. And I'm sure on Duke, they're dealing with different types of racism in some way, shape or form. Now is the time to stand up. All of this after the fact stuff, the head coach of BYU Volleyball wouldn't even meet with her. The apology that the AD gave to BYU students and the, the warning that he gave was ridiculous. He didn't even mention racism in, in it and, it, and that was ridiculous. So I applaud the fact that Rachel did what she did. But going forward, I want Rachel and all of these other folks to know that we got your back. You, back in the 60s, you're not going to see a LeBron James type athlete with social media tweeting out support like that and, and calling and like, you know, Kyrie Irving, all of these guys calling, we got your back. Members of government got your back. Get out there and fight. If you don't fight this stuff head on, that's how we get to these racist representatives who are part of Congress now. Challenge them as students, get them out of our spaces now, and you don't have to deal with them later. Send them back under the rocks that they came from. Hey, 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 Doc, here, here's an, uh, and, I, and I appreciate you mentioning this because it kind of opens up another part of this discussion around black students on playing for black uh, for predominantly white schools. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. And yesterday we had a conversation about what uh, David Banner said in regards to HBCU should be the only option for black students. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I don't totally agree with that. But I, I, one of the things that he, you know, came up in the course of that part of the conversation was that, you know, you don't ex get to black students, black athletes wouldn't experience a level of racism at an HBCU that they were at at a, a PWI. Mm -hmm. And and I'm and my only thinking, and I wanted to get your take on this, is that do we run from it, or do we continue to push through it? Because we wouldn't be where we are today unless our parents, grandparents, great-grandparents, our ancestors just said, nah, ain't yep. no more all-white spaces. Yep. <laughs> We're yeah. here now, yeah. so you're going to have to deal with that. So how, how, talk to me about how to deal with those, those two different realities. Do we, do we put mm -hmm. our brightest, do we put our most athletic, do we put our best in those white spaces and say, look, you're going to have to blaze the trail? Yeah. Look, I'm going to speak from personal experience because that's, that's, that's what I know. Look, I get it. Look, when I ran for class president in Boston Latin School, majority white school in Boston in the 90s, you know, students wore clan, uh, white sheets on their heads. I mean, like, I, I, you know, I, I understand the racism. I get it. But sometimes we make the mistake of acting like everything is kosher at our HBCUs. And we act like there are not intracultural issues. And I'm speaking from experience. I spent my freshman year of college at Morehouse College. 
And it was a great experience, don't get me wrong, but I also ran into a certain level of, of disrespect of my Congolese American culture. And I was getting that from other black students. And when I went to the administration and was talking to them about the need for more things relating to studying current cultural things going on on the continent and stuff, I was pointed to the library to read books by Shekhan Diop that were written 40, 30 years ago. And don't get me wrong, I love those books. I think I had already read them by that point. And I didn't fully feel accepted at Morehouse because of my background. And some other things happened to me that I don't want to get into now, but don't get me wrong, love Morehouse, love HBCUs. And I, I transferred to Georgetown University. And quite honestly, I had less issues there culturally at Georgetown in my three years there than I did in my one year at Morehouse. That's wow. not to diss Morehouse. I love wow. Morehouse. It's not to diss HBCUs. I got three children. My oldest daughter is a junior right now. I, I, if you want to ask me where I want to send her today, I'm here in D.C., my first thought is most likely Howard University. So this is not that HBCUs are wag, uh, WIs are better, none of that. I'm just saying that we can't fully always think that Black people are always going to have the best Black experience at, at HBCUs. And having said that, I That's believe right. on the athletic sides of things, our HBCUs deserve more attention. We see what LeBron James is doing, I believe, with FAMU. We see what Michael Jordan is doing with his deal with Howard University. They need, I'm not going to say they need to get only consideration, but they definitely, we see what Deion Sanders is doing now. They need more consideration, more respect, and more of our top talent and more of our top dollars to go towards those universities so we can start to level the playing field. And I don't know if that's a nuanced answer, but that's the answer I got. Hey, man, that's your answer because that's your experience. So that's the answer we'll get. We'll accept that. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, no, but no, I, I understand. I understand, brother. And hey, Doc, if you were part of the conversation yesterday, bro, you, I mean, I get that. Yeah. I get that. And that was some a part of my sentiment that, you know, one, I, I believe that uh, if you're 18, 19 years old and you're given choices, looking, mm -hmm. considering money, considering um, cultural impact, uh, you know, where you are in your cultural growth and development, considering yeah. a lot of different factors, you know, HBCUs don't always come out on top in yeah. terms of your options, right? So, yeah. but, but add, it's, it's understandable. I get what he was saying, but then I'm like, nah, nah, bro. Like if, and, and here's the thing, here's the thing, doc, and you can tell me if I'm wrong about this. You know, when we look at the situation with Rachel and Duke and all of that, like somebody, and I, and, and again, I, it's hard for me to say <laughs> this, but because you. this is our young this is a young black woman. You got young brothers who are trailing the bla blazing the trail mm -hmm. to go into these spaces, but somebody's got to do it. Yep. Yeah. I'm with you it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like Absolutely. if you do, somebody has to do it. Like we can't, we can't operate. There shouldn't be an all white space in America. I feel you. Yeah. Somebody has, we have to do it. And we come from a, a history of, of trailblazers period. But I'm sitting, I'm sitting here from American University. I went to Georgetown University. I studied at Harvard, Princeton. All of those places wouldn't have been possible if, if MIT, all of these places, if other people didn't blaze the trail. And so I don't think in 2022, 
black people have all of a sudden earned the right to not be trailblazers. There are still, like you said, trails to blaze, and we, we got to fight for better representation. We got to, you know, I don't know what the BYU volley team, volleyball team looks like. My daughter, ninth grade, just entered or uh, just joined the volleyball team at, at her school. Maybe she'll end up at BYU one day uh, and do volleyball there and fight it and be in activism. Or, or maybe we'll keep fighting hard enough so that by the time she gets there, it's not a problem. All I'm saying is that wherever we're going to go, we're going to experience trials and tribulations. And I also am mindful of the fact that if you don't deal with the ignorance and racism in those spaces, it's just a matter of time before they come for you in the spaces that you're in. Look at all the things we're dealing with at Howard University as it relates to the bomb threats. Just last week, another one, students leave the campus. So it's not like if you go to Howard or, 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 or FAMU or any, you're going to be just all by yourself in some type of bubble. They're coming for you wherever you are. So you got to fight them there. And we got to be in our black spaces where we can organize and work together to become stronger in those larger fights we have to have. It's not either or, it's both and. Mm, that's facts. That's facts. All right, let me take a couple of comments from our online culture crew really quickly before we take our next pause. My man, Brother King Lee, good to hear from you, sir. Checking in all the way from Germany as, Germany as always. Nice. King, you said if I was a Duke volleyball player, I would have walked off the court. Mm. That's yep. if you had to, te hey, King, that's if you had the testicular fortitude, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and, those, I, and I said it, man. I think that, you know, Rachel and others, I understand her. I respect her comment and why she decided not to. But I felt like she should have walked off the court and, you know, and I feel like the other players would have followed suit. Again, this isn't a critique of her at all. She was poised. She was an upstander. She did her best in that situation. All love and respect and support. But going forward, these other teams and stuff, it happens again. Walk off that court. And if the yeah. players who don't look, I believe that silence is compliance. There is no middle ground. <laughs> walked off the court and her other teammates stayed there, there is just as much as part of the problem as those guys who are heckling her. That's where That's we facts. have to be nowadays. That's facts. Lana checked in. Lana, good to hear from you, sis. Always love to hear what you got to say. You said the coach should have walked off. The fact that they let her deal with that, Duke is BYU too. Trash. Mm. Mm. Trash. Mm. Uh, thank you, Lana. Always appreciate you. Uh, you don't like my music. You checked in. You said, we all know Rachel's name, but we don't know the names of the racists. Dox these mother effers. Hey. Mm. Folks got to know. These guys are going to their jobs the next day and all of these other spaces. Why should yeah. they have the right to keep their jobs and be students? And like I said, she, she said to her dad, there was more than one. So what's happening with the rest of them? That's a great question. That's a great question. When we hear these stories, unfortunately, we hear the front part. We don't hear the back end. We don't hear the part about consequences, repercussions. We don't hear the part about, you know, the shame that mm -hmm. that 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 those who perpetuated the violence or the violation has put on. We don't hear about those stories. And I think we definitely need to hear more about that situation. So I'm with That's you right. right there, sir. With you right there. All right, we gotta take a quick pause when we come back. Speaking of racism. President Biden has a few choice words for what he called the MAGA extreme. And we're going to talk about it with Dr. Omakongo about what should we expect from the Biden administration? How does, does he see the Biden administration handling this far right extremism coming from the Republican Party? Also, we're going to talk about the doc's book about telling lies about black people. What? Somebody telling lies on us? Us? <laughs> We'll have that conversation. Of course, we want you to join us as well. So stay with us. A whole lot coming at you on the next hour of The Culture right here on the Black Star Network. We'll be right back.
When we invest in ourselves, our glow, our vision, our vibe, we all shine. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Pull up a chair, take your seat. The Black Tape with me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Pastor Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. folks welcome back to the second hour of the culture right here on the black star network i'm your host faraji muhammad big shout out to all my new uh online watchers big big welcome thank you so much for tuning in if you missed the first hour you missed a very very powerful first hour so we talked to dr gerald horn for the horn report his segment where he talked about international and domestic affairs as we discussed russia we talked a little bit about those classified documents that president trump is still trying to find <laughs> and so much more. Also, we've been checking in with Dr. Omakongo uh, Dabinga to give us some insights about the latest developments in that racism case uh, where our sister Rachel, the volley black volleyball player at BYU and how she experienced racism and other teammates issued there. Now, speaking of racism, Doc, mm-hmm. um, this is this, of course, is just a microcosm of a macrocosm that is occurring in this country where racism seems to be more and more blatant and white people unfortunately have gotten felt like they've been empowered and given the space and the permission to do whatever and this is what we're seeing even of course on the national level looking at how the president had to come out and speak as the president spoke in rockville maryland Mm -hmm. um, he spoke about how the republican party needs to shun MAGA. Check this out. Let me just share with you, Ariel, if we can post that quote on the screen from the president. Here's what the president had to say to the Republican parties about this whole situation around MAGA. And let me know, Ariel, when you have that that quote. But one of the things that he, he mentioned, though, Doc, is that this is that he's engaging. He was telling people, go to the polls in November mm-hmm. so we can you have because you have to fight for democracy again. Yep. All right. So. 
gonna keep it 100. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you do. We gotta keep this 100 down. So the president of the United States, who is an older white male, is asking for particularly black folks, brown folks, to stand up for a form of government that has not fully benefited us. Mm, mm. Well, you know, I, I, hey, I don't every know. time you come on, you know what? This is your fault. Because every time you come on, brother, <laughs> now we got to deal with all of these, like, <laughs> yes, sir. Like we try to, we try to like mentally make shit make sense. You know what I'm saying? Yes, like, what the, what? So I'm just, you know, I don't feel like Biden is talking to black people. Okay. I think he is talking to the part of that white 70 million plus people who voted for Trump. Those guys who are, he always says, because he makes a point to talk about his issue with not Republicans, but MAGA Republicans. He distinguishes. And even in Rockville and in his speech before that, you know, he's talking about he's talking about conservative Republicans and independents. He's calling on them to come over to this side. And so I, I, huh? Doc, doc. That's, that's what I feel. I, I don't feel I like he's you. talking look, to us look. because I don't feel like he needs to feel like he needs to talk to us about standing up against them because that's all we've been doing. But that's what I'm saying. See, this is this is the thing. Like, my thinking is, like, Mr. President, they haven't stood up to this since Trump left office. Yeah. I agree. So what makes you think? And and it seems like they're digging their heels more into the ground. Mm-hmm. They they doubling down on. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got Republican lawmakers who wants to criticize. You know, I remember when Trump criticized the intelligence community a couple of years ago yep. before he got elected. People were like, oh, that's crazy. He wants to be president. And he's criticizing the intelligence community. Yep. You literally have Republicans criticizing the law enforcement intelligence community, the FBI. You, 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 you're criticizing the Department of Justice. I mean, these are these are, quote unquote, not MAGA people. These well, are I'll... people that's. Go ahead. I would just say, like, these, they didn't identify themselves as MAGA before this time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. No, I, I But now you. it seems like y'all critical of the stuff that you say that you believe in. Yep, yep. No, don't, I look, those guys, and look, what, what's their new term? Defund the FBI and all that type of stuff. <laughs> I, those guys are, no, are, are straight hypocrites, right? But I think we also need to be mindful of the fact that is you don't see uh, a Democrat's uh, uh, against Biden campaign, the Democrats against Trump, uh, uh, Democrats for Trump campaign. You are seeing some Republicans, when you look at the Lincoln Project and the like, who have finally, in some way, shape, or form, seen the light and are going at those Republicans who are claiming to be about law enforcement but are really not, who are claiming to be about patriotism but are supporting white domestic terrorists. And so there's a fracture within the Republican Party. And I think that. Biden is calling them out. And the reason I think that Biden, the reason why I'm personally, and I hear you about, you know, the lack of accountability we've seen on many levels and, and a yeah. lot of the issues. I, I'm with you on that. This guy, you know, Biden is not, you know, my my racial hero or anything like that. So, but, you know, when we see good, we should, you know what I'm saying? But if we see something positive, we can recognize it. And one of the things I respect that he's doing is that 
he is finally realizing that, yo, I got the biggest bully pulpit and I'm going to put these guys on the defensive because what he's doing right now is these guys have been running around talking all their trash, doing all their stuff and trying to bully the Democratic Party. And he's basically acting like the guy who punches the bully in the nose. And when the bully gets punched in the nose, they don't know what to do. They're all flustered. So now they're all mad. He said semi-fascist. He said this. He said that. Now they have to respond to him as opposed to Democrats in the past. And I'm talking about like this year and up to this year in the past. And these yeah. culture wars, when they come up, all Democrats would do is say, well, we're building roads. We're working on schools. We're working on health care. But now what happened with abortion and what's happening with all these MAGA cats, now they are fully engaging or not say fully, but engaging more in the culture wars. And the Republicans who are pro MAGA and, you know, want to kill abortion and all of that, they don't know what to do with themselves and they're fractured. And I think that politically it's a great strategy on Biden's part. Okay, I can I can I can agree with you on that. I, I, I can I can agree with you on that. Um, my, my 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 I guess my next question is, what's the likelihood that they will follow his guidance? Um, now, even though I and I shared this in the last segment with Dr. Gerald Horn, when I'm reading that now Republicans are at a crossroads because they're seeing that the legal woes of Donald Trump continue to mount. Mm hmm. And they're like, this guy here, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, bro, we've yep. been riding with you through some storms, but now you and with these documents and all of this other stuff, they're like, they believe that that this will be a real liability for any type of significant win in yeah. the November midterm. So, you know, what do you, if you are part, if you are in the leadership of the Republican Party, how should you move? Because now you've embraced Trumpism. You've embraced Trump. Yep. You've allowed some of your top advocates of the party to, to be in that space. But now that you're seeing, you're seeing all of the, this shit show happening, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. now you got to ask yourself, like, okay, how do we distance ourselves without isolating or alienating anybody else or possibly putting our lives back in jeopardy? Because yeah. his, 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 his supporters are going to be angry. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, what you're seeing is a lot of Republicans now, they're kind of taking the Ron DeSantis approach where, you know, Ron DeSantis in Florida is basically taking on all of the Trump's policies, all of Trump's policies without the legal issues. And so you never hear him, even though he talked a little bit about the FBI search and how that was, a pro you know, all of this and all of that. Outside of that, he doesn't mention Trump. He doesn't speak about him. He doesn't, you know, tweet out about him or anything like that. And many other Republicans are starting to do that. You also see the guy in Arizona who's trying to unseat uh, Mark Kelly. You know, he's been very anti-abortion. But what he's been doing now is he's been trying to scrape all of his anti-abortion policies that off of his website because people are calling him out on it. And he's seeing how Republicans are losing in all of these other special elections. The only choice that Republicans have who have been pro-Trump all of this time between now and November is to not mention his name. Other than that, they are too tied because they know if they speak out against him, his base is going to come for him. They also realize that his base is not growing, but it's just enough to be influential politically. So the most that they can do is try to do less interviews unless it's on like Fox, do less tweeting about social media on social media type of platforms and just try to be as quiet as possible until they get to know uh, until they get to November. That's all they got right now, because it's only going to get worse for Trump between now and then. 
And you already see it in the last week or so. You've seen some of these guys come out and they're not as vocal as they were for Trump as they were just two weeks ago when the search happened. They're already dialing it back a little bit because they're like, whoa, you got documents next to your passport, confidential stuff, you know, and no one can answer the question. Not only what was he going to do with them, but what did you already do with them? And so that answer is going to come out in some way, shape or form as well. And some of these guys are going to realize, yo, they're just going to throw their hands, jazz hands like all day. I can't mess with this dude anymore. So they're just going to be quiet, man. That's all they can do. Talk about the policies, but not the man. Hey, look, hey, Doc, especially considering the fact that now, you know, there was that piece in the investigation where they said that they found those documents laying on the floors yeah. and all open out, looking like somebody had gone through them before the yeah. agents came. They mixed in with menus from the Mi restaurant. Right, like, <laughs> they probably like, whoa, you know? nope. <laughs> hold up, hold up. <laughs> now, I, I just came across it, across the wire, Trump said that FBI agents put them out there. He was, they framed him See? by throwing the document. Man, what the Come hell on, are you man. talking Come about, on. bro? So, so I, I, to your point, I think that that is true. It's interesting that it's going to be interesting to see how people come out because as much as there's that culture war, the very, very real fact is that Republicans are, are, are making, it's making life worse for a lot of people in this country, That's just right. from the Roe v. Wade decision, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Push back on the student loan situation. Yep. Um, so, the, I mean, you have big policy ish, uh, big policy items that the Republicans are trying to create other narratives around and narratives about. But it's like, do you know that your followers as well, your supporters will also gain from this? Yep. Yep. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And, yeah. and it reminds me of when, you know, with President, former President Barack Obama, how he created the Obama, you know, what yeah. they call the Obamacare. And then yeah. people were like, well, I don't want Obamacare. I want health insurance. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> yes, sir. I remember. I remember. That's the same thing. You're, you're getting, you're benefiting off of the very thing that you hate. Yep. Yep. And so when, when I see these guys talk about the student loan debt and, and they're doing all of the stuff to benefit students and all of that, and they condemn it and they say things like, well, what about the plumbers and what about the elderly who are trying to get medical assistance and all of that? And my response is, well, what about them in terms of what's your plan? I haven't seen a plan for you to help those guys out who are involved in trades. That's I haven't right. seen those plans to help elderly people get access to medicine. I've seen Biden's plan to help do that, which you also condemned and voted against. So the fact of the matter is these guys want to throw out other guys, the teachers, the plumbers and all of that, and never cared about them in the first place. And have no, you can't, and have no policy to help them. So if they're complete hypocrites as it relates to that, and all you got to do when these guys say, "What about these guys?" Just throw out three words: permanent tax cuts. The wealthy got permanent tax cuts, and the rest of us got none of that. So these guys are complete hypocrites. But at the end of the day, these guys who are supporting people like Ted Cruz but don't have Ted Cruz money and live in these impoverished areas, and they're white. 
This is really all about the preservation of whiteness, in my opinion. And part of the preservation of whiteness is you can't let other groups get an opportunity to get ahead of you or be equal to you in any way, shape, or form. So if you look at the possibility of black and brown people getting student loan forgiveness, even if you might get it yourself, you'll be against it because they might get ahead as well. This was part of the whole Southern strategy. You see black and brown people getting access to health care. You might be against it even though you've never had it because you don't want them to get ahead. That's what Trump came in on. He literally said, this is your last chance to get out here and, and save the culture by voting me in in 2016. And so many people will forego their own best interest in order to make sure that nobody else gets ahead, even though just like with affirmative action, it benefited white women more than anybody, but people are still against it because they look at it as something that helped black people more than anybody else. And that is where they get over on coming at things like student loans, Biden's infrastructure plan. Look what's going on in Kentucky right now. Yes, Jackson is a majority black, but there are white people there as well. And we know yep. there are other parts of Mississippi that got water issues as well. So when you let racism persist, white folks, it's just a matter of time before it comes to you as well. How much are you willing to suffer to preserve whiteness just to not let other black and brown people get ahead? How much are you willing to suffer and die, not be able to drink the water, have good health care, go to good yep. schools? How long are you willing to do that? Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's take some uh, some comments from our online culture crew and folks got some good things to say. And folks, I, I want to appreciate y'all for 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 checking in. Uh, first and foremost, let's go to uh, Truth is Power. You brought, you brought the question. You said, the question that I keep asking people is, if we're not going to vote for Joe Biden, then who is the other choices you have? Because I'm surely not voting for any Republican. Yep. It's like Obama said. How's how I'm running, feeling? It's I, like I Obama know who said, he, you know, when Obama was running, he said, you know, don't compare me to the almighty, compare me to the alternative. That's it. He's a smart guy. <laughs> That's a great way of saying it. That's a great way of saying it. But, but now that we're looking at it, because we've been talking about 2024, and we know that because of how time is flying now, that's just around the corner. Yeah. But I really am concerned in, in, in asking the question, well, who, who, who should folks kind of get prepared to, to see and hear from? Do you got any thoughts on that? Like, like if it's, and even though the the president is saying, yes, he's going to run again, yes, and a lot of people saying, please don't, mm -hmm. don't, we don't want to see a rematch, yeah. and we don't think that you, you, you are up for the job, you 80-something years, you'll be 82, mm -hmm. sir, 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 <laughs> don't. Who, hey. who do you see on the horizon, Doc? Well, you know, the person I see on the horizon immediately is definitely, you know, Vice President Kamala Harris. You know, she's in that role uh -oh. and that, that's uh -oh. put her in a position to do that. And, you know, she'll definitely have my support. I hey, like hey real quick, hey, you brought her up. I'm going to bring her up because somebody brought it up. Conscious Thought said, has anyone noticed that relative silence regarding Vice President Kamala Harris? That, yeah, that's that that's her job. You know, the vice president can't get in front of the president. They they can't do that. They they can be the attack person and get out there and do that, but they can't contradict them. But look, I'm gonna be very honest. We talk about, you know, this is the culture, right? It's in right. our culture to respect our elders, right? And I don't see any Republicans talking about Trump, who's like two years younger than Biden, saying that he's too old. I never see Republicans talk about passing the torch. And as Joe Madison always says, it's not about passing the torch, it's about lighting the torch. And I believe that if, if President Biden is up to the job and, every, and has no, no issues, he, I, I have no problem with President Biden running again. 
you know, why he's had a great couple uh, last few weeks in terms of his successes. He's been able to do some of the things he talked about in terms of bipartisan support on some levels. If we get more senators in and make people like Manchin and Cinema irrelevant, we're going to get that Voting Rights Act passed and all of the other type of stuff. And look, if for some reason he does not continue, Vice President Harris is right there ready to take over. So, I mean, this whole thing about pass the torch, especially when you're doing well, it just doesn't make any sense to me. So I personally think we need to get out of the ageist idea of this guy being too old to run. And at the end of the day, I think he should go for it again. I have no problems with it. All right. So if we have no problem with it, I've, I've been hearing uh, the California governor, Gavin Newsom, is, mm -hmm. is a possibility. He's been making some big changes here in the state of California. Yeah. And where people feel like he's progressive enough, he has the experience, he's still young, relatively young, that he can handle it. What's your, what's your take of, of the California governor, Doc? Oh, absolutely. There are a lot of folks out there who, you know, Beto O'Rourke, you know, regardless of what happens to him in this next election, Gavin Newsom, you know, absolutely. There is a very strong list of Democratic candidates who I feel will do a much better job than any Republican who comes into office. And, you know, based on the policies they've implemented in the states that they're in on at the local level, at the state level, and for many of those who are part of the federal government, if Pete Buttigieg decided to run and look in this process, if these guys want to get out there and challenge uh, Biden in some way, shape or form, uh, you know that, hey, that's part of the process. That's their right. I think that right now the Democrats are a lot more unified than the Republicans. And I think we should continue to ride that wave. And I think that a lot of these guys are young enough to be able to keep doing their thing and come in strong in, in 2028. But like I said, you know, Elizabeth Warren, I like Elizabeth Warren. I mean, there's there are a lot of other people out there who would be very strong. But right now, I feel like Biden got the most votes in any election in presidential history. And the only thing to critique him on since he's been in office as he relates to going forward is his age. And I don't, I don't think that that's fair. And I think that, yeah. yeah, it hasn't been done before, but give him an opportunity to do it. Well, let me just say this, that um, people have been talking about President Trump, but there was a, a CNN had just put out a story earlier today saying that President, former President Trump uh, um, may be delaying announcing his 2024. You, did you see that story? Doc? I saw it. I saw it. Uh, and, and so <laughs> he was planning, I guess he was planning to launch this this upcoming weekend or say, mm -hmm. say announced this weekend that he was going to run for office again. Yep. But given the fact of where he is with everything from the DOJ investigations to these statewide investigations, mm -hmm. he's planning to delay his uh, his announcement. Ah, yeah, I, I don't I'm be honest with you. I don't think it's going. I don't think he's going to announce. I think he's going to try to be behind the scenes and play kingmaker. Mm -hmm. I know that there's some potential friction between him. I've been reading about potential friction between him and DeSantis. So oh, yeah. you know, oh, I'm yeah. I'm I'm expecting to see like a Ron DeSantis really taking the mantle. There's been indication from both the Republican Party, Republican media, and platforms that they're going to put their resources behind Ron DeSantis. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. It, it, I think that, that that that's going to be their guy. Um, yeah. So it's going to be very, very interesting to say the least about how the situation is going. Look, we're going to take a quick pause. When we come back, we'll continue the conversation with Dr. Omakongo. Stay with us. It's the culture right here on the Black Star Network.
I'm Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, and my new show, Get Wealthy, focuses on the things that your financial advisor and bank isn't telling you, but you absolutely need to know. So watch Get Wealthy on the Black Star Network. When we invest in ourselves, we all shine. Together, we are Black beyond measure. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. When we invest in ourselves, we're investing in what's next for all of us. Growing, creating, making moves that move us all forward. Together, we are Black Beyond Measure. Pull up a chair, take your seat, the Black Tape. With me, Dr. Greg Carr, here on the Black Star Network. Every week, we'll take a deeper dive into the world we're living in. Join the conversation only on the Black Star Network. All right, folks, welcome back to the culture here on the Black Star Network. Yes, yes, yes. I've been having a fantastic conversation with my brother. I enjoy having this man on the show. So happy he's able to join us today, Dr. Omakongo Dibenga, uh, to talk to us about a number of topics and issues that are happening nationally. And, of course, I appreciate each and every one of you for checking in as part of our online culture crew to share your thoughts about these issues as well. All right, Doc, one of the final things that we wanted to discuss is – your book. Yes. You have, you, you, you always trying to be excellent, Doc, and this is the problem I have with you. Hey, you know, I'm trying to be part of the culture. That's part of the culture is excellence, right? Life is about Black people. There it is, folks. Uh, let's talk about this. This is a, a, a powerful, powerful piece that you're putting out about that. First and foremost, give a summary of what this book is about, what does it entail, and then most importantly, you know, what inspired you to write it? Well, first of all, I want to thank you because this is the first time anywhere exclusive that anyone has actually seen oh. the cover. So thank you for putting that out to the world to see. I appreciate you. Oh, man. It just, it just feels great to see. Wait a minute. It. Hold on. Wait a minute. Hold on. King, we got a King Keenan. Ariel, we got to put that cover right back out there because that's the new new right here, folks. That's right. <laughs> Never seen anywhere else. I appreciate Look at that. it. That's that's that gotta be a woman. Is that a woman? I'm not gonna say. That may not be a woman. Now look at it. Now you got me feeling all crazy. <laughs> and as you see at the <laughs> bottom, uh has the forward by, by Dr. Michael Eric Dyson as well, which I'm very excited about. And you know, this this book will calling the lies about black people and, and combating racist stereotypes, because at the end of the day, we have to understand 
that so much of what we are taught about black people, and I also, I'm also talking about black people, but just across America in general, has been based on a lie. And if we really want to talk about being anti-racist and pro-equity, we really have to combat the lies. And when I was doing this book, I was asking people different questions about things they learned growing up about black people. Uh, I was people told me different things. And I got this from people of all backgrounds. I was told that black people can't swim. I was told that black people are dirty. I was told that black people are all criminals, that black people are, are not academically as smart as, as, as white people. And these type of lies, we think that they're little things that we're told growing up, but we don't understand that as a society, we base entire policy on them. These lies that black people are not good with money or these lies that black people are dirty led to policies that meant that black people couldn't live in certain neighborhoods across the country. This idea that wow. black people are not academically smart led us to not being able to go to universities. This idea that black people are not going to be as loyal to this country as, as soldiers led to us not being able to get the same type of benefits coming out of World War II when the GI Bill came out. Every policy that has existed in this country against black people has been based on a lie. And so what I'm doing in this book is I'm exposing those lies, what they have looked like historically, how they manifest themselves today. And then I'm providing solutions on what readers can do of all backgrounds to challenge those lies in the spaces and places that they occupy. So and so I, first and foremost, congratulations on on putting this work out there, because I think it's important to get to the root of, right. of the culture that we all embrace, because so many of these lies have actually contributed to how we see ourselves, right? That's right. And we, we, and, and we, we kind of embraced these lies to the point that we start to believe them. Absolutely. And, um, you know, I want to kind of get your take. Was there a particular event or a moment that made you say, you know what? We need to really start to disrupt and uproot some of these myths and these fantasies about black people. Some of these lies. What, was that something like that or was it just something that's been on your mind for a while? The, the general thing that is that is that forced me to really need to do this. It's my students. You know, I, I talk to students all across the country, uh, you know, and of course I do work in corporations and, and other environments as a speaker and diversity, equity and inclusion expert as well. I do that. But when I see the young people, when I, whether I'm going to talk to kids from kindergarten to 12th grade or students I teach on the college level every year, and I look at the amount of knowledge that they don't have, not only about history in general, but particularly black history, I get concerned about what's going to happen when we're all gone. And then on top of that, not only do they not have the history, they have the wrong history about Dang. what's going on if our, with, with, with our history and our culture. And so I wrote, I'm writing this as a way, and it's coming out on their Prometheus books in the spring of 2023, uh, as, as a way to start to get these young people more hooked on. So for example, I had a student once who was a senior who was in college who studied constitutional law, who didn't know about the 13th Amendment and how and you could still be in prison if you were, how you could still be enslaved if you were in prison. What? How do you go through studying the Constitution and you don't really pick up on that part? That's not her fault. It's, it's the teachers who were in front of her, right? Or where we see stories about Black inventions. I tell my kids now that I'm at the point where I've learned so much about Black inventions that now when I see things, I think first that it was invented by a Black person. But growing up, we would think that black person was the last person to invent, invent these things. 
So, and when we do those things, we completely don't understand how integral black people have been to this culture. And like Malcolm X said, if you think of people never did anything, you're gonna think they can never do anything. And so I right. wanna expose those lives so that future generations can know of all backgrounds, especially black people, that we have built this country and even the low self-esteem that many of us have has been a result of the television, the media, the stuff that has been put in our it. heads to make us feel inferior, which has also been part of the lie. And this book is about combating those stereotypes. Hey, Doc, and let me tell you, brother, how important this situation really is. Let me, let me just say, because it feels like in no other part of our history, uh, are we ex more exposed now mm -hmm. to lies about our contributions to this country, right. to lies about who we are? I mean, the, the, because you, you are absolutely right. Of course, we all, and I'm saying we in terms of if you're old enough, you know, you maybe not in the past 20 years, mm -hmm. maybe in the past 25, 30 years, 30 years ago, man, you know, I grew up in the 80s. Yep. Me too. And nothing good about black people. Yep. yep. <laughs> you know you what I'm saying? The Cosby Show. <laughs> right, right. The Cosby Show. <laughs> right. You know what I'm saying? And I mean, look, you know, that still has more weight than what we're experiencing now. The 90s, we started to see uh, uh, a certain level of consciousness, right? Yes. From Hollywood, from everything, from like shows like Living Single mm -hmm. and Fresh Different Prince of Bel Air. And then you had social issues, social demonstrations like the Million Man March and other things that were happening. But there was like a little bit of the pushback because the music and hip hop music at that time was still, uh, uh, you know, what, what they like to coin as gangster rap. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, yeah. It was still very popular, come, especially coming out from the West Coast and everything. So, I mean, just to have a conversation, a book about lies. Yeah, yep. Because, brother, I, I'm, I'm seeing it every day, Doc. And, yeah. you know, when you got to constantly uproot, constantly push back on the lies. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. As you're talking to your children, constantly push back on the lies. As you're talking to your teachers, it becomes a real problem. It's tiring. That's right. It's tiring. That's right. That's right. It's and but the fact of the matter is we can't give we have no choice. As tired as we are, we got to keep fighting. Look what's happening across the country with the fake critical race theory activism and debate, which I also talk about in the book. In places, I saw a story, I don't know if it was in Georgia, where, you know, a teacher resigned because one of his class, his staff members came in and took all of the pictures of black people off the wall. We're talking about pictures, not even Nat Turner, talking about pictures of Obama and Colin Powell. You know what I'm saying? So it, it took those off the wall. You got places like Florida and Oklahoma where they have this, quote, you know, Florida DeSantis, as we talked about, the anti-woke legislation where they're pulling our history away from the students in some way, every way, shape or form. I was at a school earlier this year where a, a teacher told me that a parent told him, oh, when you're talking to my kids about the civil rights movement, this was a white parent. Talk to my kids about Dr. King. He was the good guy. Don't talk about Malcolm X. He's the villain. You know what I'm saying? Like they're Damn. actively fighting to remove our complete history from every aspect of society. When Trump was president, I was going to speak to places. They were like, oh, you can't because of his diversity teaching ban. I couldn't talk about certain things anymore. Biden got rid of that, thankfully, with his executive order. They are actively fighting to remove us from the culture and the history. And if we don't yep. actively fight that, we will be removed and erased. That's 
that's truth right there, brother. <laughs> that ain't a lie. Yes, that's sir. a truth right there. Every day. Uh, folks are checking in, Doc. They want to they wanna share some thoughts with you. Chris V, my guy, Chris, good to hear from you. You said this sounds like white people definitely need to read this book, too. What, 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 what's your take on that, Doc? How, how, do you, how do you get a book like this into the hands of the people who often, who often are guilty for, for perpetuating the lies? Oh, absolutely. And, and, and going to, to your man's comment, like this book is primarily being written for, for white audiences, to be quite honest. And the way that I'm able to get it into people's faces, to be quite honest, is like my job 24-7. I, I, I speak. I go into these, I go into corporations, I go into schools and we, I go into government organizations and I work with groups on how to have these courageous conversations. And once we get into it and put it to a space where people can feel free to express themselves in terms of the stereotypes they were taught that they didn't know about and all of these other types of issues in a way where they may not feel like they're being attacked. I find that when we can create those conversations in safe spaces, they are more prone to want to be active. And of course, we don't get everybody, but in the schools I've seen it, the curricular changes that have happened through this work in the corporate spaces and some of the things that have happened through the work that I'm doing with them, I believe that there are more white people who are interested in having this conversation and making the change and some who have already been engaged. Look at the Jane Elliott's and the Tim Wise's of the world who have been doing this work for years as well. Yeah. I believe that there are more Tim Wise and Jane Elliott type people than there yeah. are Ron DeSantis and Trump people, but they just don't have the knowledge to be able to go forward and fight the fight. And this book is going to arm them in doing that. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I, and I you know what? I agree with you as well. I think that there is a, a waking up among white people that just as much as theirs among black people. Uh, Jawan Event, Jawan, thank you so much. Always good to hear from you. Thank you for your followership uh, of, of me on social media. You say definitely adding this to my reading list. Sounds like you got a new reader, Doc. Awesome. So uh, big shout out for her. Janae, you said thank you for telling the lies that people believe we are so much better than what they think of us. Kudos to debunking the myths, the lies, the folk tales. We have to. Thank we you. absolutely have to. Janae, good to hear from you. Mike V, my guy, you said, look, the pacemaker was designed by black men. Facts. Bring it. it. You know, there used to be the book. Um, what was the great book? The 101 Things. I, know, Malcolm, I, know, I, I lose the name, but I know what you're talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, the book that Malcolm X taught, often carried with him when he was among us. You know, the, the, just the, the, big, the major contributions of black inventors and black scientists and how they have made life so much better for all of us in this country and around the world. So right. we, we do have to kind of, you know, feed on that. Ryan, Mike V, good point. Ryan, checking in. Ryan Lumley, you said, I just learned this week the ice cream scraper, scooper was invert, invented by a black man, so I feel you. That's Something right. Something that simple. That's right. Something that simple as the ice cream scooper. Look how, how our lives have been improved. Yeah. <laughs> And yep. I'm not making fun of him. I'm saying this seriously. Like that's right. That's real. Yep. Like the fork or the knife, and the spoon, the yep. ice cream scooper. I mean, the golf tee. That's us. The traffic light, the gas mask, the technology that was laid for the cell phone. I mean, the the list goes on and on, on and, on. and on. And this is the stuff that people don't want us to teach. And bear, as 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 knowledgeable as we are, like 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 your like, you know your your colleague said on the comments. All of us who are watching and us to you two and you and I who are talking, we're knowledgeable. We know stuff. We're reading stuff. 
But there's stuff every single day that we are learning that we had. And I'm not saying y'all, I'm saying we. Uh, when I listen to people like Joe Madison and Roland Martin and Karen Hunter, and they just throw out these inventors and this and that, or pop people who did things politically. Yeah. We didn't know because we weren't taught. And shoot, if it wasn't for 90s hip hop, Harris wanted all of these guys, on, we wouldn't bro. know anything. Come on. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Dude. That's fact. Because a lot of us didn't get conscious until we listened to KRS One, Rock Kim, Public Enemy. Oh, yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like That's these plan. were the sources the, yep. of, of of our consciousness for so many facts. All right, Doc. So we we and I always appreciate you, Doctor uh, Macongo, because brother, you always bring the passion and 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 bring so much facts and truth. So how can people get your book? I know is it available for pre order or can people just get the book right now? So it's not up for pre-order yet. The best way to find out is to uh, follow me on my website. If you go to omekongo.com or upstanderinternational.com and sign up for our newsletter, you'll get the earliest updates there. Of course, you can follow me on social media platforms. I'm primarily on LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at uh, omekongo, just my first name. And of course, you can follow me on my YouTube channel as well. And you'll get all of the updates. We're looking at a spring 2023 hardcover release. And, you know, more is going to be coming as we work to lay, to, to lay it out. Brother, 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 I truly appreciate you. I thank you so much again for your time today. Lies About Black People, folks, it will be available very soon. Make sure you follow The Good Doctor on all social media platforms. And more importantly, continue to support the great work that he's doing. He is an author. He is a professor. He is a, a hip-hop artist. The brother is a speaker, doing amazing, amazing work. And we're happy to have him as another voice here on the culture on the Black Star Network. Also, of course, make sure y'all check him out on Monday nights That's on right. Rolling Martin Unfiltered. Where they bring that fire. Y'all thought Thursdays were fire. Mondays, they kick off the week hard, boy. Yes, sir. So I'm, I'm, I'm really happy. Thank you so much, Doc. We truly appreciate you, brother. Thank you for coming on today. Thank you. Take care. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, folks. We're going this podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.